0: This is One in 36, a presentation of the Anderson Center for Autism. One in 36 is a weekly show devoted to autism spectrum disorder.
1: Good morning and welcome to One in 36, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism, and I'm speaking this morning with Ken and Daniel Trush, who are co-founders um, and really the whole heart and the soul and the, and the family behind Daniel's Music Foundation. Thank you for being with us this morning.
0: Thanks, Eliza, for having us. Really excited about being on the show. Great.
1: So, Ken, we're going to start with you, if you don't mind. Um, Daniel, we're going to get to you in just a moment. If you could just tell us, um, introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about your background and uh, and maybe a little bit into the Music Foundation, and then I'd love to to hear uh, from you, Daniel, yourself directly. But, Ken, why don't we start with you? Tell us about yourself.
0: Sure. I mean, my background is actually in business. I was I had a business career for over 40 years, Primarily emerges and acquisitions. I um, mm-hmm. started Daniel's Music Foundation in 2006
2: after Daniel was injured at age 12. Why don't you tell everyone what happened? When I was almost 13 years old, one of my five undetected brain aneurysms burst inside my head. I went into a coma and I was in a coma for 30 days, and I was in the hospital and rehab. For a total of 341 days. But who's counting? Am I right? <laughs> well, you got
1: that sense of humor.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah thank That's you. our whole family. That'll
1: carry you through a lot of tough times.
2: Yep, we always say that this isn't a sob story. It's Why a, do you
1: say that, Daniel? Why is that important?
2: It's a happy story because of where we ended up.
1: That's great. And that takes a lot of strength. And I love that. I love that. That's your message. I can imagine the smiles that that's bringing, just listening to that to uh, other parents and children and friends, um, of people who might be going through a tough time for a lot of different reasons. So that's a wonderful attitude to have. Um, my understanding, Daniel, is that this happened while you were in the middle of playing a basketball game. Is that correct? Yes.
2: While while, while I was playing basketball at my school gym mm-hmm. one Sunday afternoon, I took a shot and then I came running off the court holding my head, and I actually and I actually collapsed in his arms. Mm-hmm.
1: Um. I guess I asked that question, Daniel, because I was curious if you really liked sports or if you if you really enjoy basketball and. Do you ever have a chance to to do any sports um, now as a young adult?
2: Yes. My father and I actually throw basketball back and forth because if you could if you could see my left hand spasms, mm-hmm. but, but as long as the pinky's up, if somebody throws a basketball at me, the rest of the fingers will follow.
1: That's great. I think everything you've said so far Daniel just has this underlying positive message about it. And so I appreciate that. You're making me smile this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken, you've known Daniel since he was born. Has he always been an optimistic, positive uh, person?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, always uh, funny, quick processing speed. Uh, got along with just about everyone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that hasn't changed.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see that. I'm thrilled and, and happy to know that uh, through this traumatic experience, um, which sounds like got very scary for a period of time um, that you've you've retained that part of your personality. That's a wonderful gift. Um, So, Ken, you said that after this, um, this really awful uh, accident occurred or injury occurred for Daniel, you started Daniel's Music Foundation, um, which is in existence today. That's what we're going to talk about primarily is why. Why music? Um, and and what is what do you want our listeners to know about the music foundation? You know, what, what is it? Why does it exist? What's the mission? Um, what do you love about it? And you can start in any of those places you'd like.
0: <laughs> uh, thank you. I mean, when Daniel came home, he was different, and our family was different. Um, <clears throat> Daniel still has some
2: short-term memory issues but not when it comes to music. But not when it comes to music. I could listen to a song once or twice and then somehow remember all of the words.
0: And Amazing.
1: So, is, that that, a, is that a new skill after the injury?
2: I think really? it is.
0: Yes.
1: Awesome.
0: And so we took a very much of a strength based approach. Um, what was Daniel's, what was Daniel gravitating to? What was Daniel enjoying the most? And he basically, de- you know, declared that he loved music. He was a musician before his injury. And since he, his injury, he took up the keyboard and he started singing. And so we looked online, to look for programs with music and disabilities. And we couldn't find it. We saw music therapy, which was fantastic. Mm -hmm. You were having.
2: I was already having five therapies a day that were just me and a therapist. So we wanted to make Daniel's music foundation more group oriented so that people could be with other people on their own age and their own ability level. And what we found is that that's therapeutic in its own right.
1: And so that's, that's, I'm sorry to interrupt Is Daniel, a follow-up question. Did you feel um, a little isolated socially when you were having those five therapies a day, even though it it obviously was having a positive impact for you in some ways, but you were alone in those sessions, just one-on-one?
2: And a therapist.
1: Mm -hmm. So you must have missed your friends and your same age peers. Okay. All right. Well, so, so there was a purposeful decision that this would not be music therapy, maybe something different, more social, more group-oriented, and maybe a nice complement for people who are already receiving music therapy in a more traditional way. That's exactly so, that. Okay. All right. So keep going, Ken. Take us through it. So if
0: we had found the program, we probably would have signed Daniel up. And since it didn't exist, we started and we started with very modest uh, plans. Um, We really just had one keyboard class and five members. And the community uh, where we live in New York City just supported us and we kept growing. And today we have, why don't you tell everyone? uh,
2: And today we have our very own big, beautiful 8,700 square foot music center in East Harlem. We have, wow! we offer 50 free classes a week to over 250
1: musicians wow and how many people are on the staff or how many how many instructors do you have and do they volunteer or are they paid
0: they're paid we have 25 staff uh, we have nine full-time and 16 part-time
1: amazing and- and the two hundred and fifty musicians that you're that you're serving right now are they a wide range of ages? Are they mostly young adults, or there are there children involved? What, what's what are their parameters?
2: Yep, we we range in age from three to adult.
1: Three to adult, so almost all the
2: way. <laughs> That's true. I think our oldest musician is in their eighties. Yeah, but don't tell her that we said that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I won't
1: tell her that we said that. <laughs> we, we don't need to. We don't need to out anybody based on their age. Uh, I was just. It's interesting um, that you've attracted instructors who feel comfortable with that range because three year olds by and large i would think are just getting started on their musical experience whereas um and do you see that the people coming to um to your music center in harlem do you see uh, people who are beginners all the way to people who have been musicians maybe for a long time and want this particular experience like who's coming who's coming to these classes
0: oh it's a great question i mean all are welcome here um so beginners people a little more experienced but we center around, like we said earlier, socialization and community. This is a lot of isolation in our community. There's a lot of um, people that are home and just on their computer or watching television. So we want to make sure that people, when they come here, they feel really comfortable while they're And so I would say about 70% of our musicians are uh, individuals with autism. Um, So we serve uh, the majority of our uh, members. Um, And what we found is that music gets through like no other way. I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, There's been been studies uh, shown. There was a study by the National Academy of Sciences um, where they said that 90 minutes of drumming per week can noticeably improve behavior, mostly related to impulsive and repetitive habits. In autistic adolescence, and so we see that. Um, and we also there was another study also um, that was that was done that stated that uh, music therapy or interpersonal music ex- exploration can clinically benefit autistic people. Evidence shows that music improves emotional responsiveness, improves speech and receptive labeling, and increased social interaction among peers. And we see that every day um, as well. And that was at the heart of why we started Daniels Music. And we offer a lot of programs,
2: but at the very beginning, we just wanted to make it free. Yeah, we we wanted to make it free because a lot of our musicians... You always said music is... Oh, yeah. We always say that music is a right rather than a privilege and it should be open to everybody, no matter what their financial background so-
1: that's a great, that's a great message. Actually, that's a great place to take a quick break. So we're going to take a quick break, oh, but then we'll that- come back. You're giving me all sorts of things to follow up with you about in the second half of the show. Um, and Daniel, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that it is, um, both of you, it, it is both, um, something that should be accessible to all and available to all. And it is definitely a form of communication and connectivity that, um, that is like really nothing else. So, um, Ken and Daniel Trush from Daniel's Music Foundation. Uh, We're going to be right back. This is 1 in 36, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and we'll be right back. Okay, forest animals, today is a new day. Kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their
2: visit a good one. Sparrow. Yes? Have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. Okay, River. Dude. Dude. How's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. Perfect for a little riverside shoeless relaxation. Ah, good. Owl, you here? Of Who's asking? I am. Look, you know the drill sleep during the day, scare the kids at night. Perfect. I love my job. Uh, oak tree? Sup. Still in the same place I left you last year. That's what I like consistency. Well, it's not like I'm going anywhere for the next couple hundred years. I know. I love it. Uh, turtle turtle. He's not here yet, man. Uh, he's late every morning. You'd think you would have learned by now to leave the night before our meetings. Okay.
3: Squirrel! Has anybody seen Mr. <laughs> Squirrel?
1: The forest has been preparing just for you. Visit a forest near you today. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. And
0: now, 1 in 36 continues on 100.7 WHUD. This is a weekly community affairs program presented by the Anderson Center for Autism.
1: Welcome back to 1 in 36, the Weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host Eliza Bozenski, and I'm speaking today with Ken and Daniel Trush, the co-founders um, of Daniel's Music Foundation. And Ken and Daniel, thank you for giving us the background and sharing your uh, your story and your experience with us in the first half of the show. Um, I know that there's more that you want to get out and we want to talk about some of the specific programs that you offer now and how you've grown, obviously. Um, but I want to, I just have to mention this because this is a theme that I've seen recently in several interviews that I've done on this podcast, um, one was, was with a librarian who's doing this really great, um, programming out of her, uh, out of her library. Um, there were a couple of others that have just come to mind and, and you're reminding me of this. There are so many ways to create a community center. Um, and community centers, when I was growing up, bring to mind very specific buildings where you'd sort of gather and you could use them often for free or a nominal charge to do sort of whatever you wanted to do to get people together. And what I've noticed now is, is a lot of people creating either a foundation or a program or a, or a regular event that serves the same purpose as what I remember to be a community center. And, and what you're describing where, you know, you've got 25 staff, you've got 250 musicians from age three all the way through the adult ages, um, 50 free classes, 8,700 square feet of music center space in Harlem, New York, which is very well known for its focus on community and being connected, um, that general area. It just all brings to mind that there are probably a huge number of like, maybe I don't even want to call them secondary, but maybe additional benefits that maybe you could talk about when people are coming together to share the musical experience. Were there any things that have started to happen that you didn't expect or that you just think are a really wonderful additional benefit of you starting this foundation and having these programs happening in in a community setting?
0: I think the number one thing is friendship. I mean, people get to know each other. There is a group of people that go out to dinner after classes together. That's great. Independence, uh, making decisions, helping out in the classroom. Uh, Our instructors have done a wonderful job of asking our members to distribute instruments, put instruments away. So responsibility. I mean, I think all those things came about that we really didn't think about early on. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful to see.
1: It's usually the way uh, the best things happen is when you don't exactly plan for every little detail. You have a a seed of an idea. You pursue it with enthusiasm and passion and um, and smarts. Right. You know, and in a business sense. Um, And then you see these these beautiful outcomes. I love that. Um, Daniel, how often are you at the Music Center?
2: I'm here
1: five days a week. So you're a full timer. Yes. Okay. And do you teach or do you play or do you, what what is your role there in addition to being the co-founder?
2: I help out in a lot of our classes and for the little guys, the three to seven year olds, I'll play name that tune because I play the keyboard. So I'll play the song and then I'll play it and they have to guess what it is.
1: Great game. I love that. That can keep kids entertained for hours, I would think.
2: Yeah, (laughs) that's excellent. Thank you. And
1: do you have any any sense of where this ability to listen to a song once and know all the lyrics? um, Do you remember the first time you realized that you could do that? Or is it just, does it feel like it's always been part of you now?
2: Yeah, it feels like it's always been a part of me now.
1: That's great. Do you have a certain love a certain kind of music that you love the most?
2: Um, I would say maybe folk nice. rock. Yeah, folk rock.
1: Very cool. I grew up with a lot of that. My parents were they both played guitar and all sorts of instruments. We always had some kind of music going on in our in our oh, house. That's so. awesome. Yeah, I I have a big appreciation um, for it. And um So Ken, tell us a little bit more about um, some of the, I assume not all the programs are free or is it all free all the time?
0: I'm gonna give an overview of the program. Great. I I actually have our director of teaching and learning with us and she can go into some of the programs and what happens within each one. But we have the in-person class, which was where we started. We've given over 13,500 free classes since we began. We also have field trips for schools and organizations that come, and that's fee-based. Okay, we do
1: great.
0: We private lessons as well. And we have a wonderful resource of an on-demand channel where we have free videos where people can go on, and we've had over 200,000 views since we started. But when the pandemic hit, uh, we went online, and we have online events which are free, uh, dance parties, open mics, sing-alongs. And now we're looking toward to expand our online classes, okay? And that's something that Juliana, who's our Director of teacher and Learning, has been working really uh, hard on this area about what to pro- uh, project. So people out in Hudson Valley can join us online if they don't <laughs> want to have to commute into the city. <laughs> and I'd love for Juliana to talk and kind of get a little more detail of what the classes are like and what people can expect if they come on.
3: Hi, how are you? Hi. Juliana? Juliana, that's correct. Very
1: nice to meet you. Thanks for joining us. So, yeah, we're we have a couple minutes, about five more minutes left in the uh, in the interview. If you want to take a couple of those minutes and give us a little deeper dive into the, the programs and opportunities, that'd be great.
3: Sure. So um, as Ken mentioned, we have a number of different programs. We have the online, we have the group classes, the free program. Um, we have also our private lessons that we offer. Um, what all of them seem to have from a teaching standpoint is a mix of multi-sensory teaching techniques that seem to work really well. Um, we use a lot of visual aids. Um, our instructors will use anything and everything they can use at their disposal to get musical concepts and ideas across. So, for example, they may use a parachute to teach note values Because then you're able to really feel what a whole note feels like or a half. Oh, cool. Great idea. Um, We... Um, I always say to our students, you know, some people hear rhythm, some people read rhythm, some people see rhythm, they can just see it, and other people feel it. So we teach a lot through your rhythmics as well, the feeling of music, um, I've even seen instructors take every manipulative they have, shakers, sticks, uh, scarves, and say to a student, "Okay." When you hear this piece of music, what do you see? And they'll Mm -hmm. actually create what they see. And then when you look back at what's been put out, um, you notice they're using scarves to show high sounds or they're using shakers to indicate an eighth note being played. And when you see the patterning in it, um, it's absolutely unbelievable. Um, Mm -hmm. We at Daniels really believe as Daniel said that music belongs to everybody it's a right, it's, it's a right, not mm-hmm. a privilege um, and so what our instructors really do in my opinion is translate what has become uh, the traditional teaching methods of music. Mm-hmm suit everybody. So they don't adapt something. They don't modify it. They adapt themselves in order to teach the art that in my opinion is probably one of the most inclusive things on the planet by nature. Yeah.
1: Well thank you for that. That sounds amazing. I love all the examples you gave. Um, I love that you helped me out as a child growing up in the uh in high school in the 80s and 90s. Now I know what your rhythmics means. I listen to them all the time. Um, <laughs> now You've hopefully helped others, not just me, know that that actually means something specific in the music industry. But um, great. By the way. What? Fabulous band. Oh, fabulous That's band. I just think it's hilarious that I, I don't think I ever once asked, bothered to check to see what it meant. But um, but I also the last thing you said that the instructors are that you hire and who are obviously passionate about what they do there are aware that in order to be successful in what they're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish and what the students are coming to to experience and to learn. A lot of effort has to go into being introspective and seeing, okay, this is the way I was taught. This is the way my natural teaching self gravitates, but it's not working in this situation. And so I'm going to adapt. That's hard to do, um, I think, for anyone. But I, I part of me just feels like movie music lends itself because it's so creative and it's so um, it can be so ambiguous in the most wonderful ways. That um, that now you know I just I, I don't have much more time here with you guys, but I just want to encourage everybody listening to um, to go to your website and uh, Ken or Juliana whoever's there um, can shout out the website so people get it
2: www.danielsmusic.org, all one Great. word, apostrophe,
1: no apostrophe, no spaces. Danielsmusic.org. I love it. Um, spoken from the man himself, um, <laughs> and and I love the online opportunities, the dance parties. Um, I will certainly be sharing this with the team here at Anderson, just in case they're not already aware of it, to make sure that they know that this is something they can check out. We have a lot of students and, and adults who love music, some of whom play beautifully, some of whom love to sing, um, many of whom love to have an after-school or after, uh, you know, late late afternoon dance party. I've I've seen that myself in person. So, um, so we'll be sharing this around here. Um, is there any things specifically coming up real soon or plans for the future that you want to just briefly touch on before we uh, we finish up?
0: In 10, 11 days we have the Danny Awards. Okay. Which, which is really I would, I would call it, you always say it's like the it's Grammy. It's like
2: the Grammy Awards for members of our community.
0: And it's going to be at Symphony, Symphony Space, Space on Broadway. We get musicians from all over the world to perform on stage. They're chosen by a panel of judges And we expect to be about 750 people at symphony space and thousands of people live streaming it. And that's also on the website.
1: Wonderful. Well, visit, uh, visit Daniel's music, right. Danielsmusic.org for more information about all the programs, how to get in touch, what is offered. Um, you'll see a wonderful, uh, video, um, a TEDx video that, that is up there that kind of shares a little bit more detail about your story, Daniel and Ken from the family's perspective. Um, I assume that this event also serves as some level of fundraiser, or maybe a main fundraiser for the program. I, I hope it does. In fact,
0: well, it's the event is free, but we do ask for people to donate if they enjoy what they see. If and they if can, they can. As can yeah. well. we want to make it open to everyone.
1: Wonderful. Well, I, I would encourage everybody listening to go to the website and check it out. And, um, and I just want to thank you both, Daniel, especially. I want to thank you for sharing your story so beautifully and for being such a positive presence in the world. Um, Ken, I appreciate. You know, just on behalf of everyone at Anderson, we always appreciate families who recognize an opportunity to do something for for people beyond your son, your individual loved one, or a close knit community, and do something bigger. And I love that. And Juliana, it sounds like you have a great job, and and are looking I do. to end it. So. Thank you for the information, and thank you so much, all of you, for being on the show today. Thank Thank you. you.
0: Thanks for the opportunity, Eliza. Really, Absolutely.
1: My pleasure. This is One in 36, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and remember, Anderson cares.
0: You've been listening to One in 36, a weekly presentation of the Anderson Center for Autism. Join them for another edition of the show at this time next weekend.